enter into worship. When the weight of the world begins to fall, on the name of Jesus I will call. For I know my God is in control, and His purpose is
right, church. Come on, give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love, I love, love, love the, the verse in that song that says, it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. I'm going to trust God no matter what because his word says that he's always true. So it doesn't matter what we're standing in and if you, if you don't understand what's going on because God sees. It doesn't matter if you can't see because he can. And that trust, it's almost like you're stepping into an expectancy. That's the way that we need to approach God with that kind of trust, that kind of expectancy, knowing that he's already there in that situation, taking care of whatever we can't seem to get control of. So today I just, it's, it's been on my heart lately to just have that expectancy to know God that is already, know God is already there. He's already in the situation. It's already done. Just to take that stand of faith and to trust and to know, to have that peace. So today I, I challenge you just to have that expectancy in your heart, that expectancy to know that God is not just here in this building. You, we all know that coming here doesn't really mean anything. I mean, the church, the church is us. The church is inside of us. And we carry that wherever we go. So if we expect God to show up in the church, we expect God to show up where we are at. We expect God to show up in us. And we take that, we carry that. And that's the light. That's the light that we share with other people. So I just, I, I continue to challenge you. Just trust have faith, have peace, have rest, knowing he's already there. Come as you are with that expectancy in your heart. That is the type of faith that moves the hand of God. That's the type of faith that will produce the miracles in your life. Amen. Let's worship together this morning.
somebody that you're standing right next to, then you pray for them and then pray for you. I know there's women in here that have been trying to get pregnant for years. I know that there are people that have had headaches for a year. I know that there are people that have cancer. I know that somebody has a stepdad right now that is going through dialysis and his kidneys are failing. So you know what? If you're going to sing it, believe it. Believe it, church. So raise your hand if you need a miracle. We're not going to just play church in here anymore. That's not why we're here. I believe what I'm singing. And even with illness in my body, I'm going to still keep believing. Amen? And I will believe for you. So raise your hand if you need a miracle. And let somebody believe with you and for you. Amen? We believe, God. We aren't just singing words, God. We believe that you are the still God that sent your, you're still God that sent your son that performed miracles, God. And you said that we will do greater things if we believe. So God, we believe right now, God, that you are able, you are able to do miracles in lives today. We believe. We thank you, Jesus. We believe.
prayer to sing throughout the week. I believe in you. We believe in you. Hill City believes in you, God. God, we believe in your truth. We believe in your words. We believe when you said, lay your hands on the sick, they shall recover, God. We believe in those words, God. They're not just pages. Words on a page, God. They're things that we take in, God, as your truth. Keep singing it, church. Just say it. There's power in that. for miracles that happen even if we don't even know it right now, God. Lord, that in this moment you moved, not because of anything that we're worth, God, but because you are God. Purely, God, by your sovereignty, by your hand, God, that you moved this morning. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Last time. I believe in you. I believe this time of worship, God, this time of song and praise, God, that we sing to you, Lord, to acknowledge your truths, God, and who you are, Father. We pray that that just moved us a little bit, God, and that we moved your heart, God. It's a gift to you, and we thank you that we get to worship you. We get to worship you this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand as you sit down. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Man, we are, we are lucky and blessed to have an amazing worship team. And I mean that, that um, they work hard. So Jen, I know we say this a lot, but thank you for leading our team, um, for having a passion. And um, Jen does, I wasn't planning to do this, but Jen doesn't just get up here to sing and perform. She has such a heart to lead us into worship and a closer relationship with Jesus in this moment. And that's every Sunday. She's like, I want to push our church. I want to push our church. And so, you know, some of this might be different. Like, why are we laying on hands? And we can't, we're not going to go into the time of, of Scripture and why that's there. But there's power in, in the presence of God. There's power in these moments. And it doesn't mean it only happens for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. And, and she knows that. But that this is a point where we come together and we celebrate what God's done. Amen? 
without your worship, without your praise, you know, it's really nothing, like Jen was saying. We need you guys. So we, we appreciate everything that she does and, and Caleb or wherever he, oh, he's right there. He's hiding. Hi, Caleb. Um, but just thank you guys and, and the whole team um, for being amazing. I got a few announcements. Um, whew, 2017, my wife was like, it's already just January 22nd. It's like, man, it's going fast, right? I remember we had our son. It was like the first night home, and she started crying. She's like, he's going to graduate someday. Like, we've had him home for like one day. We, we got time. We got 18 years. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's just crazy. We're already in February 22nd. So we had a, we got to meet uh, for about six hours yesterday, our leadership team. And we, we do this every year. We got to talk about 2017. We just got really excited about what's going to happen in 2017 with Hill City Church. Um, we launched, uh, we're, we're a church plant, but we launched about, you know, nine months ago or so. And uh, so next week, we're going to share a little bit about 2017, um, what we're doing, what you guys can ex get excited for, and come along with us on this crazy ride. And we're just so thrilled that we get to do life with you guys. Um, so if it's your first time, I just want to say welcome. Um, welcome for coming to Hill City Church. We're honored that you're here. Uh, if you do have any questions for us, we have a table out there. And um, anybody, I was going to say anybody in a blue shirt, but I'm probably the only one with a blue shirt. So, um, but you guys can come talk to us. If there's any questions, um, you know, we'd love to get to know you and, and, and uh, get you guys plugged in. Uh, say adventurous love. Adventurous love. So we have a, a marriage conference coming up. Uh, Bobby's back here. Where's your, where's your awesome wife? She's over there somewhere. So Bob and Christina lead our marriage ministry. Um, and uh, we are partnering with Thrive Church, uh, the church that we, that we were a part of for several years. And we were sent out from them about nine months ago. So um, we're still continuing a great relationship with them. And we have a partnership with them. And we're going to do uh, our marriage conference that we've been doing for years. Um, so that's February 10th and 11th. Uh, 2017. So it's just about three weeks away if my, if my watch is right. Um, so I'm going to read straight off this awesome flyer. A little bit of sucker for this couple, a couple backpacking, babe. So it's like, yeah, I'm like, I got to go to this. Are we going to be backpacking? I don't think so. Um, but um, it says if you are single, dating, or engaged, we encourage you to join us for two days. It is guaranteed to prepare you for the marriage journey. Um, so this isn't just for married people. This is for people who are considering married. If you're single, um, I love what it said on, on the app. It said, invest in your marriage um, before it begins. Um, and some of you are like, I've already been, you know, in marriage for a long time. But this is, I, I just know it's, people come back from it and just completely changed. Completely changed in their marriage, their perspective, their outlook, their friendship that they have with their marriage, how they view, you know, just marriage in general. So um, there's a couple ways to get signed up for it. One is the uh, the manual way. Um, you can go and, and sign up over here. We have all sorts of electronic means to sign up as well. Um, so there's a website, thrive-marriage.com. Uh, just go ahead and grab one of these because I'm, I'm probably missing something. So um, we encourage you guys. It's three weeks away. Um, and, and get involved in that. Uh, next thing coming up, Growth Track. This is, uh, this is for you who've uh, called this your church home for a while, um, or you're looking to take that next step, or you know anybody who's serving up here, like this beautiful man up here. Um, <laughs> we go, ooh, nice, you got a fan out there. Um, we, got a, we got a Growth Track. It's like Growth Track. 
growth track, all right? It used to be called Paradigm. That's how you get involved here, all right? It's about a four or five week course that we go through. We get to spend time with you. Um, it's going to be on Sunday Sunday afternoons right after church um, at the Mitchell's house, Mark and Julie Mitchell. And we're going to go through and teach you about the history of the church, our theology, our doctrine, why do we do what we do, um, and then our expectations of you um, being involved in, in ministry at this church. So um, go ahead and sign up for that out there as well. Um, Hill City app. So we have a brand new app. Um, app, like what's an app? App on your phone. Um, so for iOS and Android and BlackBerry. No, not BlackBerry. Um, but uh, iOS and app. So we got a brand new thing. Go to go to the apps, uh, App Store, Hill City app. Search for that and, you, and download it. Uh, if you go to the old one, it'll say go to the new one. So get the new one. Totally redesigned. Um, great stuff. So basically everything I'm saying is on the app. So I didn't need to talk for the last 10 minutes. No. Um, but go to the app, um, download that, and that's where you can sign up for the marriage conference. You can get information on Growth Track. You can get information on all the other events that are coming up. That is our primary way of communicating. So uh, if you have a phone, do that. You know, we also have email and other means, but go ahead and download the new app. Um, and then last but not least, ushers, why don't you guys come forward? Um, for If you're wondering about your 2016 giving reports, for those of you who gave to Thrive Church and or Hill City Church, um, we will be emailing your uh, your giving report out uh, in the coming week or so. So we got all those pretty much wrapped up. So if you signed, if you gig online, um, we have your email address. We're going to save on some postage and just email a PDF of that to you. Uh, for those of you who did, we don't have your email address. We're going to print those out and mail them the old school way um, or snail mail, whatever. Um, if you need a paper copy too, just let myself or Alan know. Alan Cooker's right here. Um, if you if you do need a paper copy and email's not going to work, just let us know. Um, so expecting those. And then for Thrive Church, I know it's a bit administrative, sorry everyone, but for Thrive Church, those will be mailed to you as well because we did a, a conversion in 2016. So um, if there's any other questions or any concerns, let myself or Alan know. Um, if you go to John, he's just going to send you to us. So, so just come to us. Um, all right, I'm going to pray. God, thank you for this morning that, um, man, just back to the worship, God, that we believe in you. And I just, I'm going to sing that all week, God. I just, just those simple words, God, that I believe in you. And whatever else matters, I don't care, God. I have faith that you move. And if you don't, I still believe in you, God. I still believe in your promise, your truth. And I'm super excited about the gospel-changing Hill City Church and this city in 2017, God. Lord, that, that, that just that message of Christ, God, would be so, uh, just in, um, just take root in us this year. And I'm excited for marriage and grow track and so many things, God. But at the end of the day, God, I want people to be transformed by your message, God, transformed by your truth. I love you. We love you, God. And um, pray for Pastor John this morning as he brings us a message that we would open our spiritual ears and our hearts to listen to your word and let it change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your giving and good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm going to grab a, a little thing here. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. It, it was here. Oh, it's back there. Thanks. Here we go. How are you guys doing? Yeah, life good? Are you guys going for the Falcons today? <laughs> no? You guys don't like the Falcons? There's, there's no, no one wearing Falcon stuff. A bunch of Green Bay people here today. All right? Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think they're going to take it, but you know, what do I know? What do I know? But today's an exciting day, and uh, just, uh, just glad that you guys are here, and glad that, uh, that uh, we get to do this together, honestly, more than anything, we get to do this together. Uh, today, I want to bring up a, a couple that has uh, been leading 
in, in a very strong way. They've been leading in, uh, in our urban outreach. And uh, now they're trusting God and heading out to Nashville. And we're like, boo, boo them. No, I'm just kidding. Don't boo them. Yeah, that's right. But before they leave, oh, what they wanted to do is share a story with you. And uh, they wanted to share just uh, what God has been doing thus far. And, and if you go in your, uh, you don't need to go there, but how many of you guys know the word Ebenezer? Right, Ebenezer Scrooge, you've heard it. But it's actually a word from the Bible, Ebenezer. And if, you, if your name is Ebenezer, nice. I was going to say sorry, but someone's name actually might be because these names are popular these days. Uh, but it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. And my name is John Ebenezer O, right? And in, in, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7, it talks about how the Israelites defeated the Philistines and the prophet Samuel builds an altar. I know, I know we don't do altar building around here, but I was like, this year we should do some altar building. Like physical things that we can see to remember what God has done in our lives. And maybe that's something you guys can put forth in 2017 for yourself. As God moves or God speaks to you, you build something tangibly so you can look at it and remember what God has done. And, and so the, the Israelites, they built this altar to remember what God has done, and they called it Ebenezer, which means thus far the Lord has helped us. It's, it's funny. I was like, that's a funny altar to build, like funny remembrance, like so far so good. I'm like, all right, you got a so far so good memorabilia right there, right? But they put this thing up, and it said, it, they said, it's so far so good. And I've heard it before, so far so God in that way. And I, I know that's corny, but just bear with me. But sometimes it's just so far so God. Like, God, you have been with me so far, so I'm going to trust you as we go forward. Because sometimes we pull back and we forget the things of God. But in this moment, even right now, and I want you to look back of how God has blessed you and spoke to you so far has taken you so far. It's crazy when I look into my own life and I see how, how far God has taken my, my own life, my own story, and I want us to move forward from that. Don't belittle small beginnings, guys, because it all starts small. It all starts small. You build on it. It's crazy how God uses faith. Faith, you know how you gain more faith? You do faithful things. It's hard, right? You're like, all right, you take a little more risk, and you're like, all right, then you take a little more you move from faith to faith from to faith. And I, I hope that this, uh, this couple, they want to share their story to honor God with their story. And uh, if you guys can give it up for our friends today, Zach and Lacey. All right, Lacey, you're up. Zach doesn't really want to talk, so he's going to just support me up here. Yes. <laughs> Is this on? Okay. Okay. Well, thank you guys uh, for giving us the opportunity to just kind of share our testimony. Um, Zach and I have been coming to Thrive and now Hill City Church for the last three or so years. Um, it started off when we were just dating. Uh, Zach was in the oil field and he would go up to North Dakota for work. Um, he would be gone from anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks. And I hated it. I would cry. I would... I hated being away from him. I knew that there was just like bad pressure up there to be one of the guys and just kind of not live a wholesome life. So 
um, Zach and I would come here and we would sit in the back and we would sneak out early. And I, I clearly remember one Sunday, Candace was like in a full sprint and she like met us at the exit before we were able to leave. And we're like, oh, fine, hi. She was like just friendly. And I just, I look back at that time and I'm like, wow, we didn't realize the community that we were missing out on. And um, so if I, I kind of wish I had gotten plugged, we had gotten plugged in sooner so that we could have been with you guys as we went through what came next. So um, Zach and I went uh, through, we were gifted Financial Peace, uh, a book, and Zach started saving an emergency fund, um, and I don't know where I'm going with that, so I'm changing my mind. Um, so Zach, <laughs> one morning Zach was up at work, he was uh, like up there 10 days or so, and um, one morning I woke up and I didn't have a text message from him, and I, I was like, well, that's kind of weird, but... I'm not going to worry too much about it. So I went over to my friend's house. We would run before work. So um, I just, I felt weird. I was like, something's just off. And we ran and then I showered and pulled into work. And just as I pulled up, literally I parked in my parking spot and I had a missed phone call from his mom. And I was like, 8.30 in the morning. Like, why is his mom calling me? That's weird. Um, and I, I picked it up and, and she said, are you sitting down? And I knew it was not good. So she said, um, Zach was in a really bad car accident. He's in the ICU, and we need to go to North Dakota as soon as possible. My world just fell apart. <laughs> I didn't know what to think. Um, I called my boss. I called my parents. It was the worst day. You know, you, you, these things go through your head. You say, ICU, what could that mean? It's, could it be broken bones? Is it life-threatening? Who knows what it could be? Um, so I, like, panically drove home. Uh, I packed a bag. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be up there. Uh, we were only dating at the time, so I called the uh, ICU, and I was like, listen, I can give you a social security, his phone number. Like, I need to know what's happening. Like, I need to know answers. She said, oh, he, he doesn't have any broken, oh, any broken bones, but he has bleeding in his brain. And that just crushed me, because I was like, that's the only thing. Like, if he, if he, if he isn't who he is, like, my world's going to fall apart. And um, he was, so they said he's he's in a coma, he's not really responding. Um, it's good if you can get up here soon. So eventually I just like paced around my house frantically waiting for his mom and stepdad to come pick me up so we can go to the hospital or get to the airport to go to the hospital in Minot. And um, we, from my tears, thanks. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Go sit down. <laughs> Uh, so we flew up there, and when we got up there, he was, his eyes were closed, he was on a ventilator, he was, like, moving his hands, um, but, like, not when you asked. So you would say, like, Zach, can you squeeze my hand, and just wouldn't, wouldn't do it, or can you wiggle your toes? Nothing. But he was, like, moving around, trying to get comfortable, and at this time, like, I was not in a good place with God. Like, I'd come to church because I felt like I needed to do that, but it was not something that was important to me. I, I really was not engaged, um, with my faith. So I really didn't pray much at all during this whole time. Um, but I, I remember seeing Zach and I just felt this sincere peace in my heart. Like I just was like, okay, like I was just, just being in the same room with him, I felt at peace. And you know, he, I had no idea what the future held. Like we were only dating. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, we had plans to get engaged, but just, we weren't there yet. Um, and so for three weeks, he was in the ICU. Uh, he slowly started to just continue to recover. So again, I wasn't praying, but in my head, I would say, like, if you could only just be off the ventilator, if you could just breathe on your own, 
like we can figure out the rest. And then the next day, I'd, be, I'd ask the nurses, I'd say, how is he doing? And they would say, oh, he's been breathing on his own for the last six hours. And I just was like, this is amazing. And um, a family member actually had to point out that every time I asked, like in my head, I was like, man, if only he could open his eyes or if only he could just recognize me. Like right after then, God was faithful and like provided that healing for Zach. And so for three weeks, he was in the ICU. Um, he eventually kind of opened his eyes and um, started to respond a little bit, but still very spotty. He would only like sometimes yes and no. Um, most of the time he was just like totally zoned out. I had some pictures, but I couldn't get them in time with the move. Um, so eventually he got stable enough to travel to Craig Hospital in Inglewood. And um, I'm going to back up actually. In, uh, in the hospital in Minot, uh, we were just waiting for answers. They have no idea about brain injuries, so they're like, we'll know what the damage is when he wakes up. Like, will he be a vegetable? Will he be independent? Who knows what will happen? So all that years of education, like, we had no answers. So we weren't sure, like, what to do. So they paired us up with a social worker um, and to just educate us on brain injuries and what that could be like. And she said, she basically told us, in other words, that, like, if Zach is ever able to be independent again, he will never be the same. Me only dating him, she pretty much said, like, she was basically telling me to run. She's like, if you stick with this guy, like, it's going to end in divorce. You're going to be miserable. He'll be angry and violent and all these awful things. So I felt like I was losing him again, like, just like my hope was lost. Get out of here, peanut gallery. <laughs> you can sit down. <laughs> and so I was just... Really hard, I know, there you go. And uh, <laughs> so I just, I felt like I lost that hope again when she said all those things. Cause I was like, well, there goes my hope of ever like having a life with Zach. And um, I, but in that same time, after I like cried for 10 minutes, I just felt this strong conviction that like I needed to stick it out. And so I like made this commitment to myself that if Zach knows who I am when he wakes up and opens his eyes, like we'll figure it out. And I. It scares my parents, it scared my family. They were like, he can, you can't even leave him home alone. Like, how are you gonna marry this man and have kids with him? Like, your life is gonna be so hard. But I just was like, I just, I have to. Like, I just, I need to do it. And um, so I felt like that conviction. And um, so Zach stabilized. We ended up traveling down to Craig Hospital in Inglewood. He was uh, in a rehab hospital for three months. Um, I was able to quit my job and just be with him in those really hard days. Um, he got there, he was on a ventil like ventilator, and like he had to relearn how to walk and talk and absolutely everything. The things we take for granted every day, he had to remember. So, you know, I'd ask him questions of like, what did you eat for breakfast? Or who came to visit? And he would just have no idea. His memory was shot. And um, he was pretty entertaining. Yeah, he'd make up answers, and I'd say, good guess, but no. Um, and so, uh, after the hospital and whatnot, uh, in, in the hospital, I also just felt this really strong conviction that, like, we need to go to church. And the church offered service Sundays, services on Sundays, um, and we'd bring Zach, and I'd, like, wheel him in in his wheelchair, and he'd just sit there and not really pay much attention. But one Sunday, I particularly remember this pastor who was a guest pastor, and he talked about, I don't know what tree it is or plant, but it, it's a plant you, you plant the seed, and then... You don't see any signs of growth for four years. But then all of a sudden it just shoots up. No, I think a bamboo maybe. I don't know. I'm making it up. He said mustard. It could be. Um, and so we, uh, 
I remember, I remember like just hearing that hope and that like endurance and patience that the pastor was speaking of. And Zach really, he like couldn't describe what he felt after that service. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit, like speaking truth to Zach for the first time. And so it was a really long road of recovery. Um, he like was, like I said, three months and then another year of rehab hospital after that and or of just like rehab outpatient. And, um, it's just interesting to me to see all these little whisperings that God had to me at the time that I didn't realize was the Spirit, but like He was with me every step of the way. And I think people often say God gives you what you need. And I think like going through this journey with Zach has shaped me into the person God needs me to be. Um, and I I didn't know that at the time. I just like simply felt that whispering. I was like, all right, I'm going to trust it. And I know our life will continue to be challenging and an adventure, but like we're just I'm just incredibly grateful for the miracles that, that I have, Zach, that he's here every day and that he is healing and he's independent and all these things that they said. They, they told us we'd have 30% chance that he'd ever be halfway normal. <laughs> so, like, I'm just... <laughs> he's not normal. <laughs> so we're just really grateful for the, the way that God has carried us through this. Um, and then for those of you who are wondering, I... Uh, we got a job working at Dave Ramsey Solutions. Uh, we're really passionate about the Financial Peace University. Um, and so I will be doing digital marketing out there um, to educate, to bring the curriculum into more middle schools, high schools, and colleges to teach kids how to be wise with money. So um, that kind of opened up where I, I went to a conference um, and I walked in this classroom and there was a bunch of empty chairs. I excused past this one girl and then all of a sudden I felt the spirit again tell me, I, I, he was just like, you should sit next to her. And I'm like, but there's all these empty chairs. That's awkward. And he just was like, no, do it. And so she ended up working for Dave Ramsey. I told her our story and she's like, you need to apply. And so that just like opened up another door. Um, and as I'm saying this, I almost realized like, it sounds like God talks to me all the time, but like half the time I'm like, I don't know what you're telling me, but looking back in that hindsight, that's when I'm able to really see like he has been there and he has been faithful and he like is a God of miracles because I get to see one every day. And so I'm just like grateful that you guys have been able to be a part of our journey, um, especially when Zach got first out of the hospital. A lot of things were really hard and they said, let life be therapy. So you guys just saying hi to him or taking him to coffee, like that has like helped him heal. And so I just appreciate you guys being along with the journey and um, I just, just love you guys. We'll miss you a lot. Stay up here. I, I, wanna, I want us to just pray for you guys. So some of you guys who know them, we're going to just pray for them because they're going to head off soon. And uh, I thought Zach didn't like me when I first met. I didn't know about all the brain injury. But he just like, well, I would be, hey, Zach, how you doing? He wouldn't talk much. And then he would go home. He's like, I need to go home now. So I thought it was wild. Uh, but it's amazing how far God takes you uh, when you just trust him step by step. And Candace, can you pray for them? Dear God, we just thank you so much for this precious couple and just that you have used Lacey today, God, even for her to tell people that you're there, God. You're there in the midst of, of you working through their own miracle. And we just pray right now, God, that you would, you would guide every step they take as they move to Nashville, God, that you would give them good friends, God, and a good church, God, and that you would just, God, 
bring them closer together. And I just thank you so much for who they are and that we got the privilege of these last couple of years with them. And we just thank you so much for what they've done for our church. And we just, we believe that you're going to use them in, in great ways in Nashville also, and that you're going to continue to to use their story, God, the miracle that you made happen with Zach, God. We just thank you so much that he is a walking miracle and that we've had the opportunity to know them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give him a hand, family. It's so crazy because when we uh, first met, uh, they showed us the accident picture and we're like, no way. We don't. If you got to see some of the pictures, that you would understand there was no way that he could have survived. There was no, there was no top of the truck, and, and so we were just, uh, we were just amazed. Um, so um, we're gonna miss you guys. I tell them we're gonna miss them. Uh, they're just a, a joy, you know. It's like a piece of your family uh, moving on, and you're excited for them that they're taking risks and they're going for it. And uh, but we're gonna miss them. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark six. We're on part 16 of Meet Jesus. We celebrate the Word of God around here. And what we're doing for the last 16 episodes of Mark, it seems like, we're just learning about who Jesus is. And, uh, and, and a lot of times we think we know who He is, but we don't. Because He shocks us every time we start reading the Word of God. And I want Him to continue to shock us until we actually believe Him when He speaks about it. So we're in Mark 6. I'm going to read from 14. And uh, to 30, I'm going to talk about King Herod. I'll be quick and we'll be done. But let's read. King Herod heard this, heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work within Jesus or him. Others said Jesus was Elijah, and still others claimed he was a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. Verse 16, but Herod heard this, and he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. So Herod starts freaking out because he just killed John off not too long ago, right? John was the cousin of Jesus, and he believed he was raised from the dead. So he starts to freak out. Verse 17, Herod himself had been given orders to have John arrested. He's telling the story of John here. And he had bound him and put him in prison. And he did this because Herodias, his wife, his brother Philip's wife, actually, whom he married, which was also his cousin. Not good, all right? All right? But uh, from uh, John had been saying to Herod, Herod's king, right? It's unlawful. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And that's true, guys. That's true. So it's unlawful for the, you to marry your brother's wife. Calling, He's calling out the king. You can call out a lot of people, right? But you don't, in this time, you don't call out the king. And so, verse 19, Herodias, his wife, nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to. Why was she not able to? Verse 20, because Herod feared John and wanted to protect him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. Herod not just feared him, he revered him. It's funny that King Herod really believed and he revered John, even though he hated John, he believed that John was of God. So this is what he does. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled. 
yet he liked to listen to him. It's funny. So Herod imprisons him and yet goes down to prison and listens to John all the time because he believed he was of God. Herod kept John around, protected John at any time he could have killed John the Baptist, but he revered him and his messages kept on hitting home and it moved him. No one has ever spoke like John before. So this John the Baptist was an enigma for Herod. He confused him. And John didn't just speak uh, when it was beneficial. So during this time, when you are king, people only talk to you when it's beneficial for them. They only say nice things. But here's John the Baptist in the face of bad, uh, he, could get, he could get killed. Even in the face of a danger, in the face of death, John the Baptist still speaks boldly about what God has spoken to him obedient in the face of fear and this kind of person moved herod even though he didn't like him he liked him interesting verse 21 finally the opportune time came on his birthday herod gave a banquet for his high officials his military commanders leading men of galilee and when his daughter herodias came so this is his stepdaughter came in and danced she pleased herod for the and the dinner guest and the king said to the girl ask me for anything you want i'll give it to you and he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I'll give up to half my kingdom. This is just drunk talk. <laughs> I know the Bible doesn't say that, but this is drunk talk going on. Honestly, they're just like, let me look around. They're like at a strip, it's like almost like strip club stuff going on right here. And his pride kicks in and this girl dances all nasty, all erotic dancing. He's like, I'll give you anything. I'm like, that's drunk talk, buddy, right? And, and was, but so immediately he sent, an, uh, it, so his wife right here, he, so she went out, and it, what she did was she asked her mother, Herodias, the woman that hated John the Baptist, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried to the king and requested, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. <laughs> That's crazy. The king was greatly distressed. And that word is really like, if you read it in the, in, in the Koine Greek, it means that he was just hurt on the inside. But because of his oath and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. Really, his pride kicked in. How can you say as the king, I can, you, I'll give you anything you want, and then you ask for it. You're like, not that one. <laughs> Pick something else. No, his pride kicks in in front of his friends. And he says, so immediately he sent an executioner and ordered John the Baptist's head. And the man beheaded John in prison and brought back his head on a platter. This is gruesome stuff. And he presented it to the girl. And she gave it to her mother. Happy birthday, Mom. I mean, this is some sick stuff going on, right? And on hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Today, I want to talk to you. Like, I could talk to you about so many things, but I want to talk to you about doubt doubt what is doubt what is doubt it says that herod heard john and he was puzzled and if you look it up that word puzzled means he was filled with doubt he was filled with that he was teeter-tottering this way and that way he was like i want to believe you but i can't believe you uh, because i'm king i'm supposed to believe myself i'm supposed to look out for myself but he was at a crossroads he wanted to believe john he wanted to give his life to god in that moment when john was asking him to repent he was like you're right i should i need to repent that's the right thing but he he was teeter-tottering wavering back and forth and in james chapter one it talks about doubt as being double-minded having two minds being pulled this way pulling that way teeter-tottering back and forth and Herod was attracted and repelled by John the Baptist in his message 
I believe everyone in their lives, they deal with doubt. Isn't that true? Like even the ones that says I have the strongest faith, they doubt too. Even those who say I don't have any faith, they doubt as well. I, I believe everyone deals with doubt. Christian or not, we all face moments teeter-tottering with this ideal and thought of God and Jesus. And, I, and we all do. So what do we do when we're at a place in our life dealing with doubt? That's what I want to talk to you about. What do we do when we're teeter-tottering back and forth in this area of doubt with God, doubt with things that are going on in our lives? And, and, and I want us to see, and, and this is a different way to see it, but if we can see it a different way, I believe God can show us a different route, a different path, a, a new uh, reality. We want, I want you to see doubt as opportunity. Say opportunity. See doubt as opportunity. As you can see in this passage, Herod had an opportunity of a lifetime. He had the opportunity to change his life. He had an opportunity to change everything. All his life, he fought to get where he was, looking out for himself, bribing, executions, exploiting, killing his family. He was power hungry. Can you imagine being a Jewish king back in the day when, uh, when Roman uh, Empire took over? You were this puppet king. All you were trying to do is keep your power. So you were executing people on the way. He was power hungry, money hungry. And when you live this kind of life, when you're focused on yourself, trying to look out for number one, trying to look out for yourself, it's very, very lonely that's that was good that's right very very lonely man timing was just impeccable <laughs> afraid of who you might who might turn on you some of us in this room we live in a way where we're afraid of people around us that might turn on us because that's how we live we're looking out for ourselves and we're like, I wonder if they'll turn on us, take you out of your position. I know that happens at work. Have you ever been at work where you can't trust your manager or your coworkers because they're wanting your position, so you're always fighting, and, and it's a horrible place to be, and at some point you'll quit. It's just true. Yet in this moment, it was a moment of opportunity to change his life, change his ways, and he knew it. He knew it. He struggled with it. God loves Herod so much that he sent a John the Baptist into his life to change his life. Think about that. And God loves many of us out here that God would even send a hardship into our life, someone who speaks up truth into our life. But we don't want to hear it. We don't like truth that much. We want to be pampered, just like Herod sometimes. But sometimes God sends a pampering of grace, and sometimes God sends John the Baptist to just wreck you. God does what he does when you need it. And so here he is. John the Baptist is sent as a roadblock so that he, that Herod, would be saved from hell itself. Honestly. Honestly. But he didn't take it. Think about this. He thought, I still have things I want to do before I give my life to God. I still have time. I still got, I, I, want, to, I want to change some things, but I don't want to like, you know, John the Baptist said, I don't want to give up my wife. I still like my cousin wife, you know. It's so weird. And he continues in this. I don't want to lose my power. And John was trying to humble him. And it was too much. It was too much for Herod. And I want to tell you this, in reading this and studying this, I wrote this, you can believe God, 
you can like Jesus, you can go to church, agree with Jesus' message, and still never follow Jesus. That's a heavy word, man. You can do all the Christian, like, cultural things, like Herod. He was like, I'm still listening to John the Baptist. I'm still listening to the preaching on the radio. I still, you know, I'm still trying to do some good stuff. I know who Jesus is. I like this message. And, and, and never follow Jesus. You, you can agree with Jesus and never follow him. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? When you grow up religious like I have, I grew up in church as a kid. My parents used to send us to church because we were wild kids, and I understand now. I'm like, you need church, right? It's like, you were bad this week. You're going to church. I'm, no, don't send us to church, right? And, but that's how it was. You're, uh, and then you think God has, uh, and we, we, I grew up religious, and when you grow up religious, you don't think God has any place for doubt, right? So you fake it until you make it. Oh, God doesn't want you to doubt, so I have to fake this Christianity until I make it because no one else, because if you grow up in a very, uh, this sounds bad, but if you grow up in very like a religious place, everyone seems like they have it together, right? He goes, how are you doing? Oh, brother, I'm blessed, right? All right, like I'm doing really bad. How are you doing? Oh, just oh, blessed and highly favored. That's the best one. When you're in the South, they say blessed and highly favored. I'm like, Amen. <laughs> I've never said that before, but if you're from the South, that's what they say, right? Uh, but I was like, uh, so, they, so people feel, when, you, when everyone's blessed and highly favored, and you feel like, dude, I have a miserable day, and I'm a miserable person. The thoughts in my head are horrible this week. You, know, you think that you, you're not supposed to. I must be living in doubt. Something's wrong with me. God must not like me. It's crazy. And sooner or later, we start faking it. Because everyone else is faking it, right? And we break down. And, and, and when you continue to fake it and fake it and fake it, at some point you'll break down. It's like the check engine light on your car. You look at it and you smile and you continue to fake like your car is all good. It's not good. You haven't changed the oil for 20,000 miles. At some point, your engine is going to break, right? That's why the light does that. That's why it smokes, folks right? That's why it makes that noise. I won't talk about my old cars because I'm horrible at this. It was smoking from the inside of the car. I was like, something's wrong. I need to sell this, <laughs> right? But I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I should have listened to the check engine light, and it broke down. And that's why religion within itself without Jesus is so harmful, it's harsh and it's crushing because at some point when you just have religion and know Jesus, we talked about last week that grace without truth isn't grace and truth without grace isn't truth. You've got to have both grace and truth in your life. You've got to have both uh, something to follow but the grace that covers in your life. But if you're just living in religion at some point when you can't fake it no more, it will crush you. It will crush you. See, in Jude 22, the New Testament says, Have mercy on those who doubt. Family, be merciful to those who doubt. Give mercy. Don't be so quick to give 10 reasons why you shouldn't doubt. Right? I knew that's how I grew up. Like, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just down here. Let me give you 10, 20 reasons why you shouldn't. You know, like, no, there's, these are moments of honesty to show mercy. They're opportunities to be a friend, to love their soul, to share in struggle, to share your struggles. We live in a world full of doubt. People teeter-tottering back and forth, pulled in so many directions, just like Herod. Have mercy on them like John the Baptist did. Even, on, even in his worst days, he looked into Herod and loved his soul enough to be honest with him. In Mark chapter 9, there's a story about a man who comes to Jesus. 
and, and he's like, Jesus, heal my son. And uh, Jesus is like, oh, if you believe, he, he, I'm going to read Mark 9, 23 to 24. It says, Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. And I love the honesty of this man because not many of these guys come around, right? Immediately, the father of the child cried out. He was weeping and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I was, he's like, I'm struggling to believe. I want to believe. I, I would like to say I believe, but I actually don't believe. Like, this is so honest in front of Jesus, who, who he needs to heal his son. I'm trying to believe. Sometimes I do believe, then I don't believe. I've been through so much. Help me, Jesus. This is an honest struggle. And then Jesus looks at him and says, I'm sorry for your lack of faith. I cannot heal your son. No, he doesn't say that. I made that up. Jesus takes this minimal amount of non-belief, this minimal amount, just an attempt of belief, but I don't really believe, and takes maybe even his future belief and heals his son. Crazy, right? We would think, if you grew up in all religiosity, we would think, oh, that's wrong. You should have had a better faith. Jesus says, I will even take the minuscule amount of attempted faith to come blasting into your life. We serve a merciful God. He didn't say, I'm sorry, members only. You got to get it together first. You got to clean yourself up first, then come to church. I, I, I don't know how many people I talk to. Like, I'm going to clean myself up, and then I'll make it sometime, John. I'm like, you'll never make it, because we don't fake it till we make it, because we never make it, right? I love Jesus, that he would take our minuscule, microscopic, tiny bit of faith, and he says, I'm believing in your belief. <laughs> He believes in us more than we ever can believe in him. We serve a merciful God. But when we are religious about faith and we think it's the quality of faith, the quality of our faith, we say, oh, my faith is oh, it's so big, it's so good. And we talk about the quality of faith. But listen, don't miss this in this story. We are not saved by the quality of faith, but the object of faith. We are not saved by the quality of faith, but the object of our faith, by mercy and grace, not you and me, by Jesus. So no one can boast that we boast in Christ. We celebrate Christ. We stand with Jesus. I'm not saying live in doubt. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying get to the feet of Jesus. Get to Jesus. He is your faith, the water to your soul. So next time we're in this room and we're struggling with doubt, wavering in doubt, consider it an opportunity. I think of Lacey's story. She's like, I didn't even know the Holy Spirit was talking to me. <laughs> I wasn't even praying. I was just thinking. And Jesus, and God takes even your thinking and says, oh, you let me in? I'm going to rush into your life. I think th that's so beautiful. And that's many of our stories I just, I just considered. And when you consider, when you open your heart just even a little bit and say, you know what, God, if you're out there, if I, if you, just even a little bit, I would, he wants to rush into your life. It is not the quality of faith. We want quality faith. That's the desire. We want to teach you and give you theology and give you purpose and give uh, all that stuff. But it starts with, the, with the, who, who you put your, your faith in. Next time you're struggling with doubt, wavering, consider it an opportunity for God to move. An opportunity to be honest like this father, not like Herod. Opportunity to grow together. Opportunity for God to move in your life. But don't stay in doubt. Herod had an opportunity to change his life. 
to make history. He could have been the first king, Jewish king, to usher in Jesus. The crazy part was God was speaking him to him the whole time to do that, to be a part of the ushering. And, he, and you know what? It's so crazy. But at the end of the passage, we see that the opportunity closes when his stepdaughter starts dancing and he gets drunk and he says some dumb stuff and he cuts John the Baptist's head off, the only one that could speak and get through to him. He shut down this opportunity. Family and friends, don't belittle holy moments when God is speaking to you. When your heart is open to hearing God, maybe today is that day. Your heart is open to hearing God. You feel hungry. You can sense that the Spirit of God is in here. You don't know what it is. Sometimes we don't understand it, but you can sense something different in this room or in this place, in this message, in Lacey's testimony, in Zach's life. When you see him, he was, he's a totally different person. He has jokes today. He used to not have jokes, right? Yeah, he has too much jokes now. Sometimes in our life, we think it'll always be this way. We do. We think that we'll always have opportunity to get to God. I'm not ready yet. I'll always have an opportunity to get to you. We'll, we think that we'll always be hungry for God's spirit. But I'm telling you, it's just not true. It's just not true. Just like Herod had an opportunity to change history, to be in on God's gospel, you can't schedule when God's going to move in your heart and your life. In Herod's life, the opportunity came to an end when he decided to kill John the Baptist, when he decided to let pride take over. And Jesus, three years later, was on trial in front of the same Herod, and his heart was so cold. He said, get him out of here. Get him out of here. He could have set him free, but he decided not to. All I want to say is don't miss your opportunity when the mercy of God is in this place. Don't miss your opportunity when you can hear his voice. Don't respond to God's mercy today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't hold back your life. Don't hold back your life from giving to someone else. Don't hold back your life from other people because you feel like not yet, not yet, not yet. That day, that yet day, that future day may never come because we don't know when our hearts will be closed off, when it'll be hardened. So I pray that today, as we stand, let's stand today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to risk in faith. We've been talking about risk equals faith. Faith equals risk. And sometimes you've got to step out when you've never stepped out before. And today is that day. Zach and Lacey, you guys are going to Nashville to trust in God. He opened some doors and you're going through. You're busting through like the Kool-Aid man, right? You're just going for it. I love it. It's so good. I love when people take the risk to go all the way and say, I'm going to put my hand in your hand, Jesus. I don't know what it looks like. This is more comfortable, but I have to believe there's something more for me. And I pray that if today is your day, with our heads bowed today, and you feel far from God, and God has been speaking to your life, maybe to serve in this ministry, maybe to get in a group, maybe to like share your life together, you know you feel alone, or you feel like on the outside, even though you're inside this building, and you need friends, you need a family, we're called to one another, guys, and I would love for us to be even closer, but I can, we can't do it for you, you have to at some point say, I believe in you, Jesus. 
I believe I need to confess. Some of us, we need to confess our sins to one another. It says in James chapter 5, so that you could be set free, so God could do miracles, so that your prayers would be effective, so you could be healed. That's what actually the verse says in 526. So I pray today in the name of Jesus, if you're here and this is an opportunity for you, us, to jump in, to get our hearts right with God, to get in on what God's doing here. And we're not perfect by any means. We are far from perfect. But I believe we're absolutely called to God and to call to one another. If you're in here and you need to get right with God, just raise your hand. Who cares? Just get right with God. Let it go, man. Let it go. There's no pride here. We're all needing to get right with God here and there. And I pray in the name of Jesus for all the people who have raised their hands or have not raised their hands, if they even have an inkling of faith today, God, I know you want to rush into their lives, Lord God. Even when we say, I want to believe, help my unbelief, maybe that's our prayer today. I know that Jesus is going to help you believe. So I pray for every hand raised in here, Lord God. I pray rush into their life, Lord God. In the name of Jesus by faith. And for those who need to get involved in here and become family, do it do it don't hold off for another opportunity for a future opportunity when things get comfortable it never gets comfortable it never gets easy i pray in the name of jesus that we could be the family of god to change lord god our world one person at a time to change our city lord god we believe we're called into this city and called to one another we thank you we love you in jesus name we pray and everyone said, amen. Thank you guys for listening for even longer than you could. But uh, God bless you. And I believe that God is speaking to many of you. Let's go and be the church, guys. Embrace one another and embrace the love of God. He wants to rush into your life. God bless you guys.